The Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Hey, we're on the downside of the week. I mean, yesterday was, you know, Clyde was here. It was hump day. Not today. We've only got the rest of today and tomorrow, and then we're looking right into the heart of an amazing weekend. I hope your week's going pretty well. I guarantee it's going pretty busy. I don't care where you are or who you are unless you're just out cold. (laughs) You, You know there is a lot of strangeness that's happening around the world. And I want to share some of it with you, but we're going to wait just a minute because I want everybody to get logged into the show today. I don't want anybody to miss the first story because it is what we call in the South a humdinger. It's a darn good humdinger, too. Hey, what are you going to do this weekend? What are your plans? You're looking for a new house. You know, this is the time of year when a lot of people, right at the end of school, put a house up for sale, start looking for another house. Housing purchases right now are, um, it's a little different than it has been the last couple of years. Mortgage rates are easing up. They're actually not easing up. They're they're moving up pretty quickly now in the midst of this inflation, uh, the inflation killing that the Federal Reserve does by raising mortgage rates, lending, borrowing rates. And uh, that slows things down. It makes house payments go up and people have to rethink the category in which they find themselves. Tell you what, in Shreveport, Louisiana, Shreveport is actually a twin city conglomeration. We have Shreveport, then you have the Red River going north and south. On the east side of Shreveport, it's actually a border between Shreveport and Bossier City. Bossier City is a little bit smaller than Shreveport, and the two cities are dramatically different in pretty much every way. Both of them have their pluses, as you can imagine. Both have their minuses. But there's a big lake, Cross Lake, in uh, the northwest side of Shreveport. A lot of beautiful homes on it. I got an email this morning with some pictures, 38 pictures, of a home that's on the water, Squirrel Point, on the north side of Cross Lake. $2.7 million. $2.7 million. Now, if you're listening from L.A., that's like, ah, oh, that's no big deal. That's about 1,500 square feet out here. Oh, my gosh, this thing is gargantuan. Two million plus dollars anywhere in Louisiana, folks. It buys you a really nice house. This one, oh, my gosh, it's got windows all around the place looking right out onto this gorgeous lake. A dock, obviously, boats and jet skis, five-car garage, a circle drive, Everything, every room in the house looks out on the lake. I'd like to buy that house, (laughs) but I sure don't want to pay $2.75 million for anything. I mean, come on now. 47 years of marriage, three kids, six grandkids, all of them live here. We have them around us every day, but hey, things changed. 
we did live on a lake, but we moved off the lake from the big house. We downsized about six years ago. And guess what happens now? Whenever we have our family events, which we have all the time, thankfully, we go to their house. (laughs) They used to come to our house, but now we go to their house. I kind of like that. I just thought I'd throw that little tidbit in. I want everybody to hear what the first two stories, the first two things we're going to talk about on the show today, outside of living on Squirrel Point, up on Cross Lake in Shreveport. And the first one, this one just blows my mind. I've listened to the soundbite that I'm about to play for you about six or seven times. This happened yesterday in a congressional hearing in Washington, D.C., and there were discussions going on about labels, you know, labels, men, women. Oh, you can't do that anymore. You can't call anybody a man or a woman. It's offensive. We've got to adopt the pronouns. And not only do we have to adopt the pronouns, we got to get the darn programs that we call anybody. We got to get it right. If you're, if you don't get it right, oh my gosh, you're an evil person. You're a racist, you're a xenophobe, and all of those things rolled in together. So this one beats everything I have ever heard. When I saw this last night, I went, oh my God, did this woman really say this? So what are we talking about? Of course, we're talking about pronouns. And we're talking about pronouns in the context of the abortion arguments, fights, fusses that are going on right now. Everybody's waiting breathlessly for the Supreme Court to come up with their final rendering on will Roe v. Wade stand or will it be overturned? Abortion, the A word, it's everywhere. And so, one member of the House of Representatives asked a, and I've got to get this correct, I'm going to be careful, i got to get the pronoun right, She identifies as a she. So this member of the Congress asked this woman about men, about men getting pregnant. And on top of that, you're not going to believe this, about men having abortions. Turn your radio up. Listen to this very closely. Look, again, it's hard to make this up. Um, what do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. All the laughter wasn't from the congressional chamber where this was going on, but uh, it was nationwide, I can promise you that. So, in case you missed it, just, just listen to it one more time. I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Um. Do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Now, 
I guarantee you, this is pretty applicable, and it's a great way to start the show today to illustrate one thing that you probably knew already, but you didn't just really think it would go this far. These are people testifying in Congress. I mean, I've never testified in Congress. I've never been in a congressional session. That doesn't mean anything other than that I haven't been there, so I would consider it a really big deal when someone gets that chance. And I would think if I was testifying before a congressional hearing and I had a pretty good idea what I say might just end up nation and worldwide, I think I might rethink my positions before I speak. And I'm not saying lie. I'm saying maybe I ought to just practice this looking into the mirror and just wonder if I say this, even if I really do mean it, and I think she probably does, how it's going to be perceived. I don't need to tell you this, but just in case you forgot it or you need it reinforced, men, biological men, there is never a single time where a biological male has gotten pregnant. Therefore, it stands to reason that no biological male has or can have an abortion. Now, I know we have woke crowd monitors. We have the podcast disinformation board. (laughs) They're listening to me, and they're listening to what I'm saying, and probably somebody just speed dialed the Department of Justice and said, you're not going to believe what Dan Newman is saying on Truth News Network, TNN Live. He just said, a man cannot get pregnant and a man cannot have divorce. Mr. President, do you want us to pull the plug on TNN Live for his sowing these seeds of disinformation? And of course, if that call was made and that question was asked of our president, I guarantee you, I know what he would say, and you do too. Pull the dang plug. Get this guy off of here. He's a white supremacist. He's a xenophobe. We can't have that type of information being disseminated on the internet. Oh my gosh. Listen to this. This is one of those things, and there's another one, and we're going to segue right into it right now, that has just gotten insane. Joe Biden's Department of Justice's definition of white supremacy, it doesn't even define, and you can't make it define in any words, white supremacy. Now think about that. Joe Biden's Department of Justice's definition of white supremacy does not define white supremacy. So where do we go to get our definition of white supremacy? Well, why don't we do this? You just heard one of the people in his administration before Congress tell us that men can get pregnant and men can therefore have abortions. Let's listen to Joe Biden illustrate for you and me, what is white supremacy? White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison running through, it really is. Running through our body politic. 
and it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. No more. I mean, no more. We need to say as clearly and forcefully as we can that the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. Well, obviously, that's the president of the United States, and he's the boss of all of us, right? So he just said, white supremacy has no place in America. None. It's poison. No more. No more. This is just another chit in the quiver for this administration to use. Yep, one of the Democrat Party's talking points and their incessant attacks on conservatives, who, by the way, conservatives are defined by this administration, by this group of Democrats, as, quote, anyone who is not a registered Democrat. And, of course, they then lump us into whatever they want to lump us into. Is it white supremacy is the most dangerous and prevalent threat to the people of the United States? Well, guess what? Listen closely. I'm about to drop a truth bomb on you. White supremacy is not the most dangerous and prevalent threat to the people of the United States. And I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to prove it using their examples of white supremacists who have perpetrated those evil, poisonous things and hateful actions on millions of Americans. Well, I don't think there are millions of examples. There are actually a couple of dozen. So, Joe was speaking about the gunman the white guy that killed the African-American people at that supermarket in Buffalo over the weekend. And there's no doubt about it. Evidence comes out after the fact. When they begin to dig and listen and read, he is an espouser of white supremacy. So that just ramps the conversation up. So we're not just going to assume he was motivated by any black racism. It's true, he was. So let's do what the media do when they're faced with uh, an Islamic terrorist who goes on a killing spree here in America and the mainstream media, whenever that happens, they don't ever call, not ever. I've never heard anybody on mainstream media call one of these people that blows up others, that shoots others in the name of Islam. I've never heard them called an Islamic terrorist. They're lone wolves. Hmm. A mentally unstable individual who in no way reflects any broader phenomenon or trend. Except, unlike with violent Muslim extremism, that characterization in this case would be true. This guy is a white supremacist. Despite what the media, the Democrats, the leftists, and of course the permanent Washington bureaucracy say over and over and over again, There is no imminent large-scale threat in the nation from white nationalists slash supremacists. It doesn't exist anywhere in the nation except for one spot on Joe Biden's teleprompter. To that claim, leftists would surely point to news reports and declarations by the 
U.S. Department of Justice and Homeland Security. The New York Times, oh my gosh, they've been all over it. I mean, for years. Here are a couple of examples of headlines from the New York Times. Quote, top law enforcement officials, they say the biggest domestic terrorist threat comes from white supremacists. That was in the New York Times, June 15, 2021. And let's go back even further. October 1st, 2019, quote, Homeland Security Department affirms threat of white supremacy after years of prodding. And even further back, February 22nd of 2019, quote, The grave threats of white supremacy and far-right extremism. Hey, even under Donald Trump, um, especially under Donald Trump, the permanent bureaucracy had been hyperventilating about white supremacy and the existential threat. I love that term. They invented it. What the heck is an existential threat? It's a a, a threat. <laughs> it's supposedly represented to every American and even democracy itself. Strangely, though, there isn't a ton of publicly available government data on the topic of white supremacy. More often than not, a government agency or official makes an assertion about white supremacists on a rampage, and we're just supposed to take it as fact. We never ask them to give us any specifics. I ask that all the time on this show. Where Oh, where are all the white supremacists that Merrick Garland, our attorney general, said white supremacy is the most dangerous threat to the American people? Christopher Wray, FBI director, testifying before Congress, white supremacist, the number one threat against the nation. No specifics. No specifics. For a threat so pervasive, so prolific, so prominent, wouldn't you expect there to be a nearly unlimited body of work readily available to all of us to consume and understand just how grave white supremacy is? It's not there. It's not there. You're just supposed to believe in it anyway. Um, sorry, government. But would you mind showing me your work on this thing you're telling me is imminently deadly? And if I asked that, I'd hear this. Shut your racist mouth. (laughs) What about Trump's white supremacy? In the final months of Trump's term in the White House, then-acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf released a report titled Homeland Threat Assessment. In that report, Wolf said he was particularly concerned about white supremacist violent extremists who have been exceptionally lethal in their abhorrent targeted attacks in recent years. Hmm. Wolf's report said that domestic violent extremists, quote, specifically white supremacist extremists, and he abbreviated that, WSE white supremacist extremist. Wolf said the WSEs 
were and would continue to be the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland. The report made all kinds of claims about those WSEs, that they have demonstrated long-standing intent to target racial and religious minorities, members of the LGTBQ plus community, even politicians, and those they believe promote multiculturalism and globalization and have conducted more lethal attacks in the United States than any other domestic violent extremist movement, and have engaged in outreach and networking opportunities abroad. Oh my gosh, when I heard that, I just began to think, you know, Hitler came back to life. He's got these Nazis out there wearing the swastika armbands everywhere, and oh no, they're wearing sheets and hoods and carrying and burning crosses again. There was even a tally alleging that nearly 40 people have been killed in attacks perpetrated by WSEs between 2018 and 2019. Quote, listen closely, WSEs conducted half of all lethal attacks, that's 8 of 16, resulting in the majority of deaths, 39 of 48. That's Chad Wolf's report. But there's a bit of a problem with the report. There were precisely zero citations showing where the Department of Homeland Security had derived its conclusions for this report. No news articles, no academic papers, no statistics, just an assurance by the acting secretary who was particularly concerned about white supremacist, violent extremists of late. Hmm. Might there be information about this elsewhere? A document published the previous year by the same department said the agency looked at the years from 2000 to mid-2016 and they counted, I'm quoting here, 28 attacks in the United States committed by WSEs, which collectively resulted in 51 fatalities. That's in 16 years. Well, that factoid did come with a citation, so that's good, right? But here's the corresponding footnote, the citation. Quote, Based on a review of U.S. government information, law enforcement reporting, and open source information. There was no link to specific incidents, no examples of verifiable data, there was no cross-reference. That wouldn't even fly in a high school English paper. But the feds apparently think they're above having to back up their wild claims with any actual evidence. There's more publicly available information about the government spending millions of dollars to investigate uh, the prevalence of obesity in lesbians than there is about an allegedly serious and fatal threat we're facing from white supremacists. Maybe we're just looking under the wrong bush. Let's dig deeper. What about at the state level? 
Well, in 2019, Democrat New Jersey Governor Philip Murphy's administration, they published a report on individual episodes of domestic terrorism that purportedly took place across the nation throughout the previous year. To their department's credit, it was highly transparent about what it was counting as an incident of terrorism, and they included the names, the dates, and the locations of the perpetrators. Finally, we're getting some facts, right? There were, according to the report, a total of 32, quote, domestic terrorist attacks, disrupted plots, threats of violence, and weapons stockpiling by individuals with a radical political or social agenda. Ooh. So we dug deeper. Of that 32, those 32 attacks, the office said the overwhelming majority, 25 were carried out by white supremacists. And the report listed each individual incident of white supremacist-linked terrorism with even the name of the perpetrator, his age, and the location of the incident. But the report was without references to where it got their data. Additional information requires looking up each episode on your own. So guess what? Novel I did. We did just that. So let me give you the details. One of the incidents involved a guy named Benjamin Morrow, a 28-year-old Wisconsin man. He accidentally killed himself. How'd he die? Mishandling explosives in his apartment. No motive has ever been established as to why Mr. Morrow had the combustible items, but law enforcement claimed to have found, quote, white supremacist material i.e. literature and pamphlets and books in his home. So guess what? Now, based on that, we know the real definition of a white supremacist. Definition of white supremacist. Are you ready? You may want to write this down. A dummy who accidentally blows himself up by mishandling explosives. Is that what comes to mind when you hear the phrase white supremacist terrorist attack? Well, let's keep going. Another one involved Ronnie Wilson. Ronnie Wilson, a 32-year-old Tennessee man who was charged with shooting a cop during a traffic stop. Wilson was allegedly a member of the white supremacist gang Aryan Nations. You got that? Wilson is white. He was a member of the white supremacist gang, Aryan Nations. Um, The officer he shot was white. When a white man shoots another white man, (laughs) is that what comes to mind when you hear the phrase white supremacist terrorist attack? Let's keep going. One other incident involved a homeless man who was yelling racial epithets in public. To which I ask, has anyone seen or heard from Chris Matthews lately? He's not on television at CNBC. Maybe he's homeless. So this guy, that was an attack. (laughs) That was an attack. Guy yelling epithets in public. Yet another 
pertained to a black man who was burned alive by his white housemate. That is horrible, no doubt about it. The two of them lived at Frazier Young Supportive Living, which is a residence in Tennessee. Who lives there? Mentally impaired people. A homeless man and a literal mental patient. Is that what comes to mind when you hear the phrase white supremacist terrorist attacks? If those four incidents don't fill you with fear that white supremacists lurk in the shadows to commit random acts of violence, I don't know what to tell you. You should be deathly afraid. To be sure, not all of the entries in the New Jersey government's report are a reach. A few appear to be legitimate, racially motivated attacks on ethnic minorities. One involved Natasha Bowers, a 33-year-old woman who, along with five other skinheads, beat up a black man in the back of a bar in Pennsylvania. Now pay close attention to this. The odd thing about that solitary episode is that it was counted by New Jersey in their report as six separate attacks, one for each of the attackers that was charged by police. Makes the numbers look better, right? The authors of the report did the same thing with the assault of a black man at a bar in Washington State. Eight attackers, identified by law enforcement, were believed to be affiliated with the Aryan Brotherhood again. Each suspect was listed in the report as an individual white supremacist attack, even though there was only one attack. Let me draw a correlated explanation for this. This would be just like saying, you remember September 11? We had 19 separate September 11s. Why? Well, that's the number of the hijackers who participated. No, we had just the one carried out by 19 different people. That more than one attacker was involved doesn't mean we count each one as an individual terrorist attack. So let's pull all this together and come up with uh, a consensus. Here we go. Of the 25 attacks labeled in the New Jersey government's report as white supremacy, 14 were related to only two separate events. One of them involved a man who accidentally killed himself. Another was perpetrated by a homeless guy. And yet another was committed by a mental patient in a home for the intellectually disabled. That brings the total attacks in 2018 down to eight. Eight attacks reported in total for the entire year of 2018. Eight white supremacist accounts, if they really were. Eight attacks across our entire nation of 330 million people. Fewer than 10 white supremacy attacks doesn't exactly sound like something the FBI should be busying itself with, right? The numbers on white supremacy couldn't have been more padded than a kid in trouble getting ready for the whooping of his life. How'd he do it? He stuffed a bunch of Kleenex in his pants. 
that the president visited Buffalo. He talked up white supremacy. You heard us in the intro. As an all-consuming force that can only be beaten back. How do we do that? Vote for more Democrats. That's his song. That's his mantra. That's his lie. Using the Biden white supremacist logic, Texas, if you do that, Texas can change its terminology for keeping up with crimes committed in their state by um, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, whatever you want to call them. Want an example? Well, here are official crime statistics compiled by the Texas Department of Public Safety. This is from the TDS. According to the analysis conducted by the Texas Department of Public Safety, illegal aliens committed 611,234 unique crimes in Texas from 2008 to 2014, including thousands of homicides and sexual assaults. So let's change that. Let's do what Joe Biden and his administration, the way they repair the reports in which they reveal data, facts, evidence. Here we go. According to the analysis conducted by the Texas Department of Public Safety, illegal supremacist terrorists committed 611,234 unique crimes in Texas from 2008 to 2014, including thousands of homicides and sexual assaults. If you just hang that supremacist terrorist lingo, you can make any kind of data regarding criminality. You can make it as juicy as you want it to be. There's not much difference between the Texas analogy and that of the Biden Department of Justice, other than the Texas numbers are true. (laughs) Those illegals there really did commit 611,234 unique crimes from 2008 to 2014. By the way, I forgot. On the story in which we published this today at the top of the page, if you haven't looked there, it's a nighttime shot. And it's a monument, and I'm not even sure, I can't remember exactly where it is. But standing around that monument, the picture shows a bunch of people in a circle. And they're all holding up lanterns, um, lights, flashlights, or whatever. They're all white, all those people. Oh my gosh, it's a bunch of white supremacists, right? No, not at all. It was a protest. What were these people protesting? I mean, I mean, they got to be white supremacists. A rally, you know, at nighttime around a statue. News report said a white supremacist rally was being carefully watched because they were expected to burst into violence. Just a point of factuality. It's a picture of peaceful people protesting the impending removal of a Thomas Jefferson statue. Nobody got hurt. There was no violence. There was no any kind of racism attached to it. You know, Thomas Jefferson, that guy from a long time ago, oh my gosh, he owned slaves. 
He had to be horrible. He had to be a white supremacist. Why? Because he owned slaves and he was a white guy. Nowadays, you don't even have to own slaves. If you're a white guy and you're not registered Democrat, oh my gosh, you are a white supremacist. That's from Christopher Wray, FBI director. That's from Joe Biden, president of the United States. I guess the only evidence that one could use to claim that that picture is an example of white supremacy is that most of the protesters there really are white. This is the greatest nation on the planet, and this is how we function. This is how we operate. We haven't even begun to peel back the layers on the Biden administration insanity, stupidity, and outrageous activity and inactivity. But guess what? We're going to do it. We'll get cranking right after this. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. My fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern. Enrique Santos from Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. During the break, I just looked at some of the uh, <laughs> the text comments from you guys. Oh my gosh. I think it's kind of encouraging to me that we're pretty much all on one page. This nation is not being governed at all. There's nobody in real leadership in our nation. There are a bunch of people that claim they are, including the guy who with his wife, they uh, they live in the White House. And Joe Biden is the president of the United States, and Jill Biden is the first lady. But I think the abilities of what we've been seeing about what those two are doing, not just talking about, there's not much evidence of them doing anything. 
I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about this and talk about that and gripe about this and gripe about that. But let me just tell you, it's very plain and obvious. I'm a business owner, an entrepreneur, 68 years old. I've watched a lot of good things happen in business, in politics, in the world. But I've watched far more bad things happen when the bad things happen, if not totally, in large part, they happen because the leaders at that time weren't leading. They were following. They were following somebody who was saying something. What a good manager does, a good leader does, is they manage. And the number one part of managing is to create plans and prepare in advance instead of watching bad things happen and then saying, literally, OMG, we got to do something. We got to say something. And they run to the drawing board and they sit around in a circle and they say, well, what about saying this? What about explaining it this way? And the number one mantra of this Democrat administration and every other one, including the last couple of four-year terms that we had in half by Joe Biden, but he was in tandem with Barack Obama, they were full of examples of no leadership, a void of managing preparation. And we're seeing it play out every day. And guess what? I'll tell you how it played out for me yesterday. I paid four bucks a gallon to fill up my car. Four bucks a gallon. The day Joe Biden was elected president, I filled the same car up at the same pump for $1.69 a gallon. That's leadership. That's management. That's planning ahead. Jill Biden. She's got to be the rock of the Biden family. She's always there with Joe. She leads him around by the hand. She takes him where he's supposed to go. She'll grab him when he's not supposed to be talking to somebody or talking at all. She was joined by Surgeon General Vivek Murthy in a public service announcement. It's about this nationwide baby formula shortage, a surefire sign that the Biden administration's getting pounded every day on the issue. So Jill stood up there, a furrow-browed Jill Biden. She summoned her best concerned look. She was doing that to assure moms across America who are stressing over being able to feed their babies. And she made it very clear that her husband, President Joe Biden, is working around the clock to help them. (laughs) There are a couple of impossibilities there. Number one, Joe Biden, he's not even awake around the clock. And secondly, if he's awake, he's sure not thinking about or talking about or planning on how to end the baby formula process. Jill said, becoming a mom or dad means falling in love deeper than you ever thought possible. And in those first few months of sleepless nights, of endless diapers and dirty dishes, and worrying about every little danger, your love can feel like the only thing that keeps you going. I can hear the violins playing behind Jill as she says this. I want you to know that you're doing an incredible job, even if you don't always feel that way. And I know you're worried about how you're going to feed your baby. 
The president sees you. He hears you. And his team is working around the clock to get you what you need. As for more immediate advice on dealing with hungry babies, Mrs. Biden concluded the public service announcement by suggesting parents call your doctors. I know that you have questions, she said. Any parent would. So call your pediatrician. They can provide you the best, most updated advice, she said, before she gave us an ending word of assurance. She said, most of all, know that we're here for you and you are not alone. Oh my gosh, I get chill bumps just thinking about her saying all that. Abbott Nutrition, the nation's largest manufacturer of baby formula and maker of Similac, shut down its Michigan facility in February. Let's see, February, March, April, May. Four months, four and a half months. Shut down in February. That happened following a recall of some powdered formulas. The FDA got a report they began to investigate, and they told us they shut it down made Abbott shut down because some babies were being killed. Oh my gosh. That move came after the FDA issued a warning to parents. So three months later, the plant still closed, but FDA Commissioner Robert Khalif reassured Americans it surely won't last until the end of the year. In an interview with NBC's Today, Khalif said he feels very comfortable the plan should reopen in a couple of weeks. We've been working closely with Abbott, he said, of the plant closing. Later, he added, we don't expect that to last to the end of the year by any means. Now, uh, okay, he said in the same interview, a couple of weeks, I think we'll get it reopened. And then he said, we don't expect that to last to the end of the year. So which is it, sir? It's a little bit different two weeks to the end of the year. They've gotten toasted. The Twitter world went crazy. I'm scrolling, looking through probably 25, 30 tweets in the story I'm referencing. The captain of the love boat would like you to know Sleepy Joe is working hard to solve the problem that he created. Oh, and don't make your own formula by watering down milk and adding a bit of Cairo syrup. That would not be safe. Only they can solve your problems. Oh, by the way, when you make that phone call to your pediatrician, make sure that you ask them, Hey, Doc, you got a few cases of formula there, (laughs) Similac or Infamil that I can come by and pick up? Well, of course they don't. That's not what they do. But you can run by the southern border. They've got pallets of it down there for the illegal alien babies. They can't afford to buy them. Well, I know moms that can can afford to buy it. They need it. Their babies need it. But Joe Biden sent it to the border. They can't even buy it. So Joe finally, yesterday late, he stepped up and he did something about it. He announced he will invoke the Defense Production Act. Why? He's got to ramp up the production of baby formula. He did that after months of failing to even address the crisis. First of all, a president of one of the other companies, not Abbott, 
he came out and basically said last July, he warned this administration, you're going to have, we're going to have a glut. We're not going to have baby formula and the demand is going to far exceed the availability. So what did Joe Biden do yesterday? Well, he went to the comfort of his teleprompter, Oval Office, and they released a video. He said this, as a parent and a grandparent, I know just how stressful this is. Well, his actions took place only after 20 Democrats and Republicans, led by Representative Josh Gottenheimer, a Democrat, they introduced a resolution urging the president, saying, Mr. President, do something. (laughs) So he issued a memo to Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, invoking the act, even though he insisted his administration, quote, we've been working on it for months. Federal government has worked in the last several months to address this shortfall, but additional measures are necessary to ensure an adequate supply of infant formula in the United States. That's Joe. The Biden administration claimed they knew about the supply issue since February. Well, if they did, why didn't they do something quicker to increase supplies, maybe reallocate? Maybe uh, make an exception or two and allow at least temporarily on a temporary basis to get baby formula from overseas. Here's what the president said Friday. That's a long time ago, right? He said, I am unaware of the problem until today. Last Friday. That was his very first mention of anything to do with baby formula issues. In recent days, the White House announced several small actions to help bring formula back to the shelves, but those actions didn't address the crisis. He announced he was going to direct HHS and the Department of Agriculture to use planes from the Defense Department to help import more formula from overseas. He acknowledged in a memo that formula was critical for infants in the United States. Duh! Adequate supply of infant formula is critical to the health and safety of the millions of children who depend on the formula for their essential nutrition. Our hearts are with you, he's saying. He's making everybody feel like, I'm on top of all of this. And then that little nugget came out. That president of one of the other companies went public last week and said, we tried to tell the White House in July They needed to prepare for a baby formula shortage. Wow, 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 wow. Have you gotten very well acquainted yet with the new press secretary in the White House? I'm going to try to get her her name right. Katrine Jean-Pierre. I believe that's right. I believe it's right. Um, you've seen her for a while whenever Jen Psaki, remember she was out a couple of times, three times I think with COVID-19 was Psaki. This petite African-American woman took to the podium and she juggled, but uh, she wasn't really smooth. And she's pretty much um, not smooth yet. And I think I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt when I say that. Media members, people that 
they get their information. People that have full-time jobs to do nothing but cover White House events. They have um, a different explanation of Ms. Jean-Pierre. Raymond Arroyo, Fox News contributor in Focus. Your reaction? How can you react to that, Harris? Look, for all the cruel depictions of this, I'll say one positive thing. The, the uh, press spokesman is on brand for the Biden administration. She's inarticulate, incoherent, there's no follow-up, and nobody knows what the hell she said when it's over. But it's so off point. People paying their fair share. I know working class people working two jobs, they're paying more than their fair share at the pump and everywhere else. So this kind of class envy argument, it's wearing very thin. And no matter where you, you land on the social strata, you're very upset and you're upset with the people in leadership. Well, speaking of landing, as she was trying to land that plane, she brought in climate change. Like, what does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. I'll tell you why. She, that was the interesting tell, Harris. She spoke about everything except why these prices are rising. Part of it is Joe Biden and this administration's adherence to the green gospel that they're embracing. They shut down oil and gas leases all over the country, and they did. And they alienated, we never hear about this, they alienated the Saudis and the UAE in a big way. Is that why they stopped taking our calls? They not only stopped taking Joe Biden's calls, they stopped pumping gas. They, they said, we're not put, sending any new oil out mm. to you. Why? Because they signed that Iran nuke deal. They're pushing that Iran nuke deal, which Russia negotiated. And when that rocket landed in Abu Dhabi, the United States did nothing. So all the goodwill that Trump built up through the Abrahamic Accords, that has been shattered, and the Middle East is in tatters. And they sent Kamala Harris over Monday to try to mend fences. She was there for three hours, Harris. I don't think our gas prices are going down anytime soon. Uh-oh. You did know that our vice president went over to meet in Saudi Arabia to try to get the gasoline, the oil, get all that loosed up so that OPEC would turn the spigot on us for again to turn it on. She was there for three hours. They had nothing to say to her. Wow. So Ms. Jean-Pierre, Jean I'll get it straight, folks, I'll get it straight. She's got a different name, and I understand the pronunciation. It's French, Jean, G-J-E-A-N-N-E, Pierre, P-I-E-R-R-E, Miss Jean-Pierre. She, um, Jean-Pierre, I'll get it right, I'll get it right. Um... She had some other things to say yesterday. And uh, she has a way with words. She pretty much began everything that she said by putting people down. What was it? Had to do with the R word. And she's up next here at TNN. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. 
Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Goppers from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Looking at text coming in regarding content of the show early, Peter from California said, when we were talking about white supremacy, he said, you can find state and federal sponsored white supremacy, not just white, but black and Latin in every state and in every federal prison in the country. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but I guess it's everywhere. It's not just white folks. But how can anybody be a supremacist that is a person of color? You can't call them that because that's not politically correct. If you're in the United States, you got to get your talking points straight. You don't want to be canceled because you're not woke, right? Well, I mentioned Miss Karine Jean-Pierre and her problems in explaining everything. And I can tell you what, we're going to listen to the story, but if she's not careful, she's going to end up losing this gig, losing control of the media operations at the press White House if she's not very careful. Now, the new White House press secretary, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, has not only repeatedly claimed elections are fixed whenever the Democrats lose them, but she seems to have a habit of characterising, well, everything as racist. Have a look. Donald Trump was a white supremacist in 2011 when he decided to be the grand wizard of the birther movement. Birtherism, which is inherently racist. They want to put up these awful voter registration, voter suppression laws, which is racism, to make it difficult for people of color to vote. Voter suppression is racism. That's exactly what it is. Xenophobia and racism has always played a role in outbreaks. If you look at SARS, if you look at Ebola, if you look at yellow fever or Spanish flu... James, I could play you several more minutes of her Please just don't. labeling everything, everything racist, from from pandemics to you know, obviously anybody who voted for Trump is a white supremacist. I mean, really, are we going to get more unity with someone like that as press secretary? 
Well, you know what? I feel like I feel like, um, you know, it's almost as if our own New South Wales treasurer, Matt Keane, um, was sent over to Washington to do the job <laughs> because, you know, she's saying exactly the same thing as as he is, which is if you're not, you know, on the hard left with us, then you're some sort of horrible racist. Of course, so many of the things you yeah. could pick apart every single one of those things that she said there. But what I want to hop on, there was one moment where she had a little Freudian slip and she said, these voter registration, I mean, suppression laws. Um, you know, saying that it's the, the, the quiet part loud, that it's actually about registering voters. And <laughs> black and Hispanics yes. voted more for Trump. They came in more for Trump than they have for Republicans in decades. So if that's suppression, you know, then that lady there is yeah. in the Ku Klux Klan. Well, and Kosha, it's such a, I think it's actually an offensive thing to suggest that people from uh, ethnic minority groups, whether they're black or Hispanic, don't know how to get IDs and don't know how to register and don't have access to uh, identification. I mean, that is truly, I don't it's not even the bigotry of low expectations. It's just straight out racism in my book. Yeah, you know, look, she assumed office, I think, uh, a couple of days ago on Friday, and the media and the Biden administration is heralding her as this very historic appointment, the first black, openly LGBTQ person to take over this office. So she really has an opportunity to be unifying, as you said, at the top over here. But, you know, the problem she's going to run into is if everything is racist, nothing is racist. Mm. And that's kind of the problem mm. if you just call everything that she's been called into question a little bit where she was uh, a CNN report or a commentator and she's in a relationship with one of the anchors over there and she a lot of her public statements sort of can be put in that way so she's going to have to overcome that but I, I hope she rises to the occasion of what her appointment means and uh, gets above that but we'll see. Well uh, Jen Psaki wasn't exactly setting the world on fire so let, let's see how this new uh, press secretary goes. Well we can say one thing those two have in common Jen Psaki and Corinne Jean-Pierre, an absolute for both of them. And nobody, you don't have any right to question this. So don't even think about doubting my word when I tell you they, Jean, excuse me, Corinne Jean-Pierre and Jen Psaki, they're both woke. So whatever they say, it's okay. I mean, that's all you have to do. First of all, you got to be a Democrat. Secondly, you got to agree with everything Democrats say and you got to be woke. If you don't fit in that category, don't even try to be applicable in the world today. They will put you on the bench in a heartbeat. Have you heard about the new phrase that's come up to demean anybody that doesn't believe in all the racial racialism, all the terminology that's being used? It's called the Great Replacement Theory. So this is really amped up after black nationalist Daryl Brooks committed the Waukesha rampage last November. Remember that? Daryl Brooks killed six people with an SUV. Not a single establishment media outlet called for social media companies to crack down on the type of black nationalist propaganda that Brooks had frequently shared on his social media. Yet following the massacre committed this past weekend, by that white supremacist in Buffalo, obsessed with the white supremacist and anti-Semitic great replacement theory. There it is. Great replacement theory. It seems like the entire establishment media, all of it, has been clamoring for a crackdown on any and all online discussions 
about the racist theory, the great replacement. The headlines tell the whole story. Take this one from the Los Angeles Times, quote, After Buffalo, will social media companies finally ban great replacement theory? Hmm. The problem, besides the double standard there, is that it appears the entire establishment media has conflated the great replacement theory with legitimate discussions about those demographic changes they're linked to voting habits, that, those things. And doing so, by the way, they've coincidentally acted in perfect lockstep with the Democrat Party. In the L.A. Times piece, for instance, technology reporter Brian Contreras conflates the great replacement theory, which is based on race, with Fox News host Tucker Carlson's legitimate concerns about illegal migration being purposefully used by the Democrat Party to turn America more progressive. That idea espoused by Carlson is that the Democrat Party is purposely allowing illegals of any and all races, including white, by the way, to flood into the United States in the hopes that they'll respond with gratitude by giving Democrats their votes. The Times is not the only paper to make a false comparison between the great replacement theory and Tucker's idea. How about this headline from the New York Times? Quote, after Buffalo, will anything change at Facebook, Twitter, or Fox News? But what does, what does Fox News have to do with the great replacement theory? If anything, The evidence indicates that the great replacement theory, the actual theory, which is rooted entirely in race, is a staple of the left-wing establishment press, not conservative outlets like Fox News. Hmm. In one clip on MSNBC, the clip shows a spate of establishment media figures, Democrat politicians, claiming demographics is destiny, and they're celebrating that white people will soon be a minority in America. I'm going to give you the verbiage. I'm not going to play it. I'll just give it to you. Zerlina Maxwell, she's the principal in this. Here's what she said. In a few years, we're going to be a majority brown country. White people will not be the majority in the country anymore. And then Ron Brownstein replied, this will be the first generation ever in American history in which whites will be a minority of the generation at some point. Donnie Deutsch, as of 2007, he said, every year babies being born in this country, whites now are the minority. Jorge Ramos, in 2044, everyone is going to be a minority. Stephen Colbert, As the demographics change, as white people become the minority in the country, which is coming. Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny. Ali Velshi. The white population is declining for the first time in history in America, while the number of multiracial Americans have more than doubled. Don Lemon, or excuse me, Don Lemon of CNN. So we live in a country where the demographics are changing, it's becoming less white. 
Julian Castro, you'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democrat nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of demographics, because of the population growth. Margaret Tlaib, the growth in Texas has been almost entirely driven by non-white population growth, mostly by Hispanic and Latino population growth. Anderson Cooper, the idea that whites will not be the majority, I mean, thats it's an exciting transformation of the country. It's an exciting evolution, and you know, progress of our country in many different ways. And then to tie a bow on it, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the white population is declining. It was always on the upswing. So that speaks to the beautiful diversity of America. It speaks to how that population, the demographics, will weigh in politically. So you heard all these great people, people you know, pretty much all of the names. You notice how all of the examples involve race, race, and race. So in a way, the Los Angeles Times is correct when it notes, via Oren Segal of the Anti-Defamation League Center on Extremism, that, quote, the great replacement is not just becoming ubiquitous on some fringe extremist space, but also in our public discussion. However, these uh, discussions, these public conversations, they certainly aren't happening on Fox News where no host, none, including Tucker Carlson, has described the idea of one race becoming a minority or a majority, any race. Nobody at Fox is ever bringing up that that's exciting. But MSNBC and CNN, that's all they talk about. Uh, Just had this thought pop in my head. Does it sound like they're doing that? Is racist? Ooh. (laughs) They can't be called racist. Why? Because they're all leftists. And leftists, Democrats and even others, further left than Democrats, they're not racist. That's those evil white people. Even black Republicans are racist. They wouldn't be Republicans They'd be like us if they weren't racist. Here's something that just blew my mind when I saw this. New York Times, as of yesterday, they are baffled by what they call a seismic hit to public school enrollment. No overriding explanation has emerged yet for the widespread drop-off in public school enrollment. That's from the New York Times. Gee, whatever could have caused that? Did anything unusual happen in the last two years? Yeah, a real head-scratcher. Why would parents not want to send their kids to public schools? Anybody have any ideas? Baffling, isn't it? A real mystery. Is Sherlock Holmes available? The Times does suggest that maybe, perhaps, possibly... The plunge 
in national public school enrollment, and it is going through the tank, in the tank, all across the nation, has something to do with these government-run debacles closing down for months and months for no valid scientific reason, unless, of course, you consider teachers zooming from Aruba a valid scientific reason, or maybe perhaps possibly it was forcing little kids to wear masks for no valid scientific reason. I got another reason the Times didn't print. Maybe, perhaps, possibly, it has to do with the legions of predators and groomers in public schools, all the innocent, shattering gay porn, the drag queens, and the transsexual voodoo. You think maybe, perhaps, possibly decent parents find it demonic that government-run schools teach boys how to give other boys hummers but can't teach them how to read? The links to which the New York Times will go to humiliate itself, to not upset its brittle, neurotic, snowflake subscriber base with some obvious truths, it's really something, and it's getting more and more obvious. The good news, though, America's vile public school system is finally feeling some pain for its indefensible abuse of our children. Not enough pain. This depraved institution in the public unions that turned it depraved will never feel enough pain. But there is at least some pain. Per the Times, New York was hit with a net loss of 50,000 students. Michigan down 50,000. Los Angeles alone, 43,000. Chicago lost 25,000. And even the suburbs of Kansas City lost 1,000 of its 33,000 students. Where are they going? They're going to homeschool. They're going to private schools. Private schools are enjoying the enrollment gains. I wonder why. Altogether, America's public schools have lost at least 1.2 million students since 2020. This is according to the New York Times. And even better news, state enrollment figures show no sign of a rebound to the previous national levels anytime soon. This has been a seismic hit to public education. That's Marguerite Rosa, director of something at Georgetown University. School finances, she said, talking to the New York Times, are really shaken. We shouldn't think that this is going to be like a rubber band that bounces back to where it was before. When you lose kids, you lose money, she added. You have to close schools and lay off people. Burn, baby, burn. (laughs) Of course, the Times reported this as though it's a bad thing. I know there are some decent public schools and decent teachers, but I also know America's overall government-run school system is a corrupt, perverted, child-abusing slush fund to funnel billions of taxpayer dollars through teachers' unions and the Democrat Party campaign coffers. In my opinion, and I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm a Southern guy, so you can say all you want to about me. I'm bald, I wear an earring, I wear a beard. And I'm white. Nothing would be healthier for America's children than the death of the public school system and the death of that degenerate child grooming factory we called Walt Disney Company. 
it will not hurt my feelings if both just quietly slip into the sunset. Our tax dollars then could be used to give parents the option and give parents a portion of the tax money that they pay that goes toward the education of their children, hand those parents a voucher and say, hey, take this voucher and your kid to where you want them to go to school. Instead, what's happened is the federal government, public school educators, bureaucrats, they're all looking at us and saying, we, the government, are in charge of your kids. It's no longer you evil parents. You have no idea what's best. None. But we do. And we control all the money, the tax money that you pay in to pay for public education. And we're just going to keep it. If you want to send your kid to public, uh, private school, go do it, but it's going to be on your dime. We're going to take your tax money and we're going to make your kids go to public school. All three of our children went to Bossier Parish Public Schools. They got great educations. But the last of them graduated in the mid-90s. Things have changed a wee bit since then in public schools, right? Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie. Hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax.
That's a four-piece band. Grand Funk Railroad. Oh my gosh, back in the 70s. We we would look at Grand Funk Railroad as my, my God. They're the, the best. I mean, they just play really loud. I mean, they were good. They are good musicians. There's no question about it. But things are a little different right now in music. I think everybody will agree with that. Got two back-to-back stories about voting in Georgia. No, we're not going back to 2020, not going back there. We're, we're going to stay right here in this year, 2022. You remember back in April of 2021, Major League Baseball, they decided to pull their famous All-Star game out of Atlanta. Why? Because that evil Georgia legislature passed voter integrity laws. Democrats wasted no time condemned the legislation, called it voter suppression. So let's do this. Let's just fast forward to two days ago, May 17th, this year, and take a peek at how suppressed voters in Georgia felt when they were casting their ballots. According to NBC, Georgia has seen record-breaking turnout for early voting. Imagine that. Perhaps somebody needs to call up Major League Baseball, ask them how all these voters managed to get to the voting booths. Twitter users also a bit curious about what happened to all of the chicken little style fear-mongering from the left. JC in New York said, I was told there was voter suppression and it was impossible to vote in Georgia. Ultra queen, they promised me voter suppression. Dave Vulcan One could call that an all-star turnout. Dude with sense of humor. (laughs) What happened to the Repubs getting rid of voting rights? Kevin J. Webb. Wow, those voter suppression laws don't seem to be working. Leo and Boone at Peter Ducey may want to ask if Biden regrets calling Georgia voting laws Jim Crow 2.0 given this turnout. Mark Ashworth, weird, because we were promised Jim Crow, Bull Connor, and a return to the Confederacy. What happened? Just a chick tweeting, uh, we were promised voter suppression by at the Democrats, at MLB, at Coca-Cola. I think they misled me. (laughs) Zach Kane. But where's all the suppression I was assured was happening? In other words, folks, voter integrity laws, what are they designed to do and what are they apparently doing across the nation in these states that have already passed them? They're making, first of all, all the voters in these states more conscious about the need, the necessity to make sure that there is no voter fraud. And when you pass uh, mechanics of a, a way an election operates and you keep it fair, you make sure that everybody that is legally registered has a right to vote and vote legally, and then there is assurance and accountability made to the people that is being honored and is being enacted. Guess what happens? More people vote, more people are involved, and their votes all count. Now there's another voting story out of Georgia. This one just blows my mind. This came from WSTV in Georgia, and this is about the 2020 primary results in Georgia. Listen to this. Now, this is the market leader. 
in Georgia in television, WSB. They prematurely posted on their website artificial Georgia 2022 primary election results, most of which voter Georgia collected. You got that. TV station, before the election happened, voted prematurely on their website, posted artificial Georgia 2022 primary election results. Voter GA confirmed that the premature election results for each candidate, it came from preliminary testing of the WSB TV election reporting site. But the results test page clearly should have never been made public. The link was deactivated days later after it was discovered. <laughs> you couldn't deactivate it until you found out about it. A search on the internet, you can still get it. That shows the artificial results had been posted since April the 7th, three weeks after the qualifying ended <laughs> and a month before the election even happened. If you're interested, in, I've actually got the link where you can go look at it. News media organizations have accidentally released premature results before, but voter GA wanted to find out where this bizarre result, where did it originate, since they tend to show media bias in reporting. News director Suzanne Nadell explained they received the test results from the Associated Press, which, of course, did not expect them to be released to the public. While most of the artificial results in this thing showed no creation methodology, some looked to be closely tracking polling projections. For example, the Republican governor's race showed Brian Kemp and David Perdue headed for a runoff, Kemp at 44%, Perdue at 40 However, the Associated Press had Candace Taylor, who was excluded from the WSB-TV debate, and only 5% even after campaigning for a year, visiting Everett, Georgia County, and garnering a 10% vote share in the polls. One very bizarre and unrealistic posting, artificially awarded first-time 6th District U.S. Congressional candidate Byron Gatewood 43% of the vote, despite him being a virtual unknown, polling at 1% to 2% in a nine-candidate field. Mallory Staples, a six-district candidate who is polling about 10 times higher, said this, Our grassroots volunteer team has worked tirelessly to help me become a leading candidate in this crowded race. The public distortion of actual polling by the Associated Press not only damaged their efforts, but cause confusion among voters. Now, where'd this all come from? It was first reported to vote GA by 13th District U.S. Congressional candidate Dominica Hawkins. The posting showed her finishing third place in her race more than a week before the actual elections will even be tabulated. Ms. Hawkins said, I believe I was unfairly hurt in this process when the Associated Press arbitrarily picks winners and losers before the election. It is unduly influencing voters and puts politics over the people. We can't ever let that happen. 
We can't let politics rule the people, and we can't let government put politics and election results that need to be uh, fixed in front of the people. (laughs) You know what? Oh, my gosh. There is something biblical about what's happening in our nation now regarding all this stuff. And it goes with this. You may want to write this down and hang it on your refrigerator if you got a magnet. Be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's, there, there's one thing, uh, you know, I have one older brother and uh, he's three years and nine months older than me. He's not as good as looking as I am, but he has more hair, has a head full of hair. But when we were growing up, I was the good kid. I was the baby boy. I was the good kid. He was the get-in-trouble-all-the-time boy. And he and our son, Caleb, they had something in common. Neither one of them could ever get away with doing anything wrong. I mean, Caleb got busted for everything. Sam, my older brother, did too. And those of you that know the two of them, you'll probably tell them, hey, guess what Dan was doing talking about you on the radio, on the air this morning. Uh, That's okay. It's not the first time they've heard me say it. And I would watch my brother and I would shake my head even when I, you know, he was almost four years older than me. When he was a senior in high school, I was a freshman. And, uh, but I was around him a lot back then, folks, in families back in the 60s and the early 70s. Families pretty much did everything together. You know, dad did go to work. Mom typically stayed home with the kids and, they were more involved. I mean, when we had television, come on, we had three channels. <laughs> Every market in America had three channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And whatever those channels had on, that's all you had to watch. So what did you do? You went outside, you ran around the neighborhood, you played with your friends, and you got in trouble. My brother got caught in everything he did. And every time He was confronted by my mom or dad with him doing something wrong. Every single time, he lied about it. (laughs) Be sure your sins will find you out. And in that regard, the Joe Biden administration has actually pulled the lever that did something pretty good. The Ministry of Truth, Ministry of Truth, that Disinformation Governance Board, Nina Jankowitz, she was tagged to be the head of that board. She resigned, and the Ministry of Truth has been paused. That's the Biden administration terminology. They've paused it, denying any partisan motivations behind the rollout of that Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board, while Joe Biden and Democrats actively challenge the right to free speech every day now. This Ministry of Truth, they put it on pause after express concern, but they're leaving the door wide open for further ridicule. The Washington Post, they entered a meta state of irony Tuesday when they reported that the board would be shutting down faster than CNN Plus shut down. The Post, in an article that was titled, How the Biden Administration Let Right-Wing Attacks Derail Its Disinformation Efforts, 
anti-doxing doxer and woebegone victim Taylor Lorenz attempted to pin this immense backlash as coordinated online attacks. You always have to find the villain. Anything that happens that goes against anything you espouse as being right or good or that you like, somebody messes with that, oh my gosh. It had to come because of coordinated online attacks. As she has so expertly done for herself, Lorenz painted the would-be chair, Nina Jankovitz, as a hapless target caught in the crosshairs of right-wing hatred as she hyped up the claims of DHS Secretary Mayorkas, who labeled Jankovitz as eminently qualified, although he did say, he admitted later, he didn't interview her. He didn't even know about the appointment, he said. I, I, I don't believe him. You know how you can tell whenever Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, is lying? His lips are moving. Nobody applauded. <laughs> At no point in this was Jankovic's record of peddling disinformation herself covered. She had pushed the Russian collusion hoax against Donald Trump. Among other claims, she called Trump a puppet to Vladimir Putin, tweeting, Trump is Pinocchio, but what if Putin is Gepetto, Gepetto? Those who reported that they would be arbiters of truth seemed to struggle with coordinating communications from their own office, as Lorenz detailed Big Brother's fluxing position. Now, just three weeks after its announcement, the disinformation governance board is being paused, according to multiple employees at DHS, capping a back-and-forth week of decisions that changed during the course of the reporting of this story. She wrote this. On Monday, DHS decided to shut down the board. That's according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. Anonymous, in other words, no names given. By Tuesday evening, Jankovitz had drafted a resignation letter in response to the board's dissolution. But Tuesday night, Lorenz went on, Jankovitz was pulled into an urgent call with DHS officials who gave her the choice to stay on, even as the department's work was put on hold. That's how the federal government works, folks. You don't need to work to get a paycheck. A spokesperson for Mayorkas was cited in defense of Jankovic, arguing Nina Jankovic has been subjected to unjustified and vile personal attacks and even physical threats. In congressional hearings and in media interviews, the secretary has repeatedly defended her as eminently qualified and underscored the importance of the department's disinformation work, and he will continue to do so. What they all seem to lose is Americans don't believe that. They don't believe that any Joe Biden board of any kind that calls it, especially one that calls itself a disinformation board, is going to really objectively go after, ferret out, and report to the obvious people that need to be in the loop real disinformation that is really deadly. The way anybody in a Joe Biden administration is going to define disinformation is this. Anytime a Republican opens their mouths, they're spewing disinformation. We've got to shut them down. 
the article went on to call the case being made against the very existence of the board a textbook disinformation campaign. See? As it endeavored to hold a narrative that the right was following a playbook and that it's critical that the public and leaders of institutions, especially the federal government, the media, and education bodies, understand more fully how these cycles operate. Lorenz claimed that by not responding with a highly compelling counter-narrative or not getting out ahead of these campaigns to being with is what led to the failings. Citing Mark Jacobson, assistant dean at Syracuse University, who researched propaganda and disinformation for 30 years, the article pinned the effort to maintain a positive narrative on the DGB amateur hour. Of course, the reality is what it is. Americans who care about the First Amendment need to be on the lookout should the Department of Homeland Security attempt to restart this program in a similar or varied capacity. I'll save you some time. There's no need to even think and worry about it. They're not going to have a board. They're going to, and probably already have, endowed someone some ones, several people or whatever, to just go ahead and do it and just don't tell us about it. After all, that's the way the DOJ works. DHS, that's the way they work. I mean, we found out that for years at the NSA, the National Security Administration, they have been monitoring Americans' phone calls, looking at our electronics communications, no authority, violation of all kinds of federal statutes, but it's okay for them to do it. They're the federal government, and you can't say anything. Well, you can say something, but if you say something, it's just going to mean they're going to dig deeper and looking to find out what you said and what you wrote. After all, they're fact finders. You know, they ferret out disinformation, right? (laughs) Well, they missed one. (laughs) They missed a big one. The numbers for Uncle Joe are just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, his approval ratings have sunk to a record low in the 30s now. And given the tendency of polling to try to massage stats in favor of Democrats, they're probably much lower than 39%. Now, we've even got some gut-punching worse news for Uncle Joe. Half. 50% of Biden's measly 22.2 million Twitter followers, we found out yesterday, they're fake. They're bots. Half. That's 11. (laughs) How many real Twitter followers did Donald Trump have when they they cut him off? A hundred million. Joe had 22 reported, and we find out it's really about 11. According to an audit that was performed by software company SparkToro, 49.3% of Biden's Twitter followers are accounts that are unreachable and will not see the account's tweets, either because they're spam, bots, propaganda, etc., or because they're no longer active on Twitter. In other words, they're phony. They're as phony as Biden's trip to the foothills of the Himalaya mountains with Xi Jinping. The company analyzed a bunch of factors in that audit, as they should have, including default 
profile images, new users, location issues. The audit also showed, perhaps understandably, given his profile as a president of the United States, that Biden's account has significantly more fake followers than do most. So this is an intriguing report. It comes in the middle of high drama involving billionaire tech entrepreneur Elon Musk bid to buy Twitter, which he put on hold last week as he demanded accurate reporting on the amount of spam on the number of bots and fake accounts on the site. And he got blasted for asking those questions. But hey, by the way, I mean, they sell data. They sell information. They sell advertising. That's how social media giants like Facebook and Google with YouTube and Twitter, all of them, they sell those based upon the numbers of people that they put their information out to and make available for their content to be absorbed by. And when, on just one account, you happen to be $11 million uh, wrong, that's a big deal. Elon has claimed that the number of fake or spam accounts on Twitter could be upwards of 20% overall, four times what Twitter claims. And it could even be much, much higher. He said, my offer to buy Twitter for $44 billion was based on Twitter's Security and Exchange Commission filings being accurate. Yesterday, Twitter's CEO publicly refused to show proof of less than 5% were fake. And this deal will not move forward unless and until he does that. And so Twitter's CEO... Agrawal fired back at Musk, quote, we suspended over half a million spam accounts every day. He wrote in a lengthy 13-tweet thread, usually before any of you even see them on Twitter. We also lock millions of accounts every week that we suspect may be spam. If they can't pass human verification challenges, like with CAPTCHAs, phone verification, etc., Our actual internal estimates for the last four quarters were all well under 5% based on the methodology that we use. The error margins on our estimates give us confidence in our public statements every quarter. Unfortunately, we don't believe that this specific estimation can be performed externally given the critical need to use both public and private information which we can't share. Externally, it's not even possible to know which accounts are counted as MDAUs, monetizable daily active users, on any given day. And, of course, Elon immediately responded to the CEO of Twitter, the company he's about to write a check for $44 billion for. He posted a meme And there's not even a word in it. It's just that picture of a turd that's got eyeballs. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. So how do advertisers know what they're getting for their money? This is fundamental to the financial health of Twitter. Twitter used to, uh, they would need to know all this. At this point, nobody can say whether this is merely all or part of a pre-acquisition dance designed to renegotiate the price 
or if it was Musk's plan all along to expose these tremendous fakery employed by a piece of technology that has done so much to poison political discourse in the country and strengthen the hold of the political elites on power here. Either way, I got to be honest with you, I'm loving watching this. I love it. I love it. I love it. Rand Paul, junior senator from Kentucky, he spoke out against this proposed Ukraine spending bill. $40 billion more dollars in aid. And he was on the Senate floor asking why the country's got to go further into debt when Congress could just simply stop spending money recklessly or even get this money necessary to send to Ukraine out of the U.S. military budget. Here's what he said. If the defense of Ukraine is really in our national security interest, shouldn't a gift come from our military budget? What about cutting wasteful spending? My office cataloged over $50 billion wasted by the federal government last year. Couldn't we cut programs like the $1 million study to see if taking selfies of yourself while you're smiling and then looking at these selfies later on, if that makes you feel good? The federal government's spending a $1 million for that little task. Couldn't we cut the budget of the National Science Foundation that spends billions studying such burning questions as do Panamanian city frogs have a different mating call than the country frogs? Billions, folks. Couldn't we maybe cut the $2 million the National Institutes of Health spent studying cafeterias to see if someone in front of you sneezes on the food, whether you're more or less likely to eat the food? Couldn't we make maybe uh, cut the money spent on Japanese quail, studying whether or not they are more sexually promiscuous or not when you give them cocaine? This is hilarious. I'm loving this stuff. Earlier on, Paul had flipped the script and rhetorically asked about private citizens, members of Congress, paying out of pocket for the spending bill now rather than just leaving a bill for future Americans to settle up. We could ask if each member of the Senate would like to contribute individually to Ukraine, but of course that would simply serve to demonstrate the enormity of the gift. To come up with $40 billion, each senator would need to give $400 million. That ain't going to happen. It's much easier to spend such exorbitant amounts if you're spending someone else's money. And Rand Paul, he wasn't finished. But even if the senators won't agree to contribute their own money, surely we're a rich country and we can afford it. Well, not exactly. The U.S. debt now approaches $30 trillion. In the past two years alone, we've added nearly $6 trillion in new debt. Inflation roars throughout the land. Grocery bills are punishing the working class and the poor, and gas prices exceed 5 bucks a gallon. Even before the pandemic bailout, our country was running a $1 trillion annual deficit just to pay for its routine commitments. If this is really for our national security, it should be very popular with the people. Why don't we offer to tax them in exchange for this? If you want to pay for this with uh, a tax, you could triple the gas tax, he suggested. 
Alternatively, Congress could raise the income tax, about $500 for every American taxpayer. Here's your bill, Mr. and Mrs. America. Mediate, for its part, said that funding for Japanese quail had ceased several years ago, missing the point that Rand Paul was trying to make. Mediate cited an article in the Washington Post from last year, and it wrote this, You can look up data on NIH grants. This particular research was called Enhancement of Sexual Motivation, and it did, in fact, receive $873,503 from the agency over the course of its progress. But that funding ended more than five years ago. It ended before Paul raised it in 2018. Then the famous rag went on to cite Scientific American in its defense of the study, which they say no longer receives funding. There is already an extensive literature on drugs like cocaine, how it impacts various behaviors, how it acts in and changes the brain, they said. But we don't know everything by any means, and we certainly don't know enough about mechanism to treat cocaine addiction effectively. Studies to understand how cocaine impacts every behavior are important to our understanding of the drug and how we can combat its effects. Yeah. Yeah. In frogs. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder, do these frogs, do they uh, inject that cocaine? Hmm. I mean, how do they get the cocaine into the frog? I doubt very seriously if they just put a little dish of cocaine, they take it to the, uh, you know, the container that holds the frogs and say, hey, little frog, here's some cocaine. Why don't you come get your cocaine? I think the frogs would have a really tough way to do it. You know, take cocaine the traditional way. They don't have fingers. So they'd have no way to sniff it. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the The Truth Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabbles. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. DNN. The Truth News Network. I never have understood that that bump that Pete Moss just, when Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, 
I don't have any idea who he's talking about that Barbie. I never played with dolls. And if I was playing with a doll, it probably wouldn't be a Barbie doll. They're too little. Anyway, we, we're running out of time. Really running out of time. We just have just a little bit left. I'm looking over stuff. Had a lot of stuff that I wanted to bring to you. And, I mean, there's so many things going on. I think you all will agree there are so many important things. It's hard and tough to leave anything out. And you would think, I mean, two hours, come on, you'd have plenty of time to get all kind of stuff in that. But you do get stuff in that. But it's really difficult to get it all in there. So that just tells me to tell you, you need to stay close. Make sure you check out our articles at truthnewsnet.org. And if you don't want to miss a story and you want to get directly to a new story when they go up, there's a way to do it. You can subscribe. Now, our subscriptions, we don't. They don't cost anything. Nothing here costs you anything. All a subscription will do, and you can fill it out on the front page of the website, truthnewsnet.org. There'll be a pop-up that comes up. Just enter your name, first and last, and your email address. It goes into our system, and every night when a new story is published, you immediately will get an email link to your email that you log in with, and it will contain a link. That link in that email, if you click on it, takes you right to each story, so you never have to miss anything. Stuart Varney, Fox Business. He's a Brit guy. He's a African uh, African. He is a he is a uh, American citizen, and he's from the UK. But he comes up with the the best synopsis of specific things that are important to us that he does very briefly, but he does it really well, and he covers the facts. Inflation. We hear the I word all the time, but do you really understand what inflation is? Listen to Stu explain it. When inflation is running hot, there are times when price hikes come as a real shock. When you get the bill, you think, gee, do I really want to pay that much? Now, that's when consumers start to pull back. We may be close to that point. Look what I saw this morning. The astonishing concession stand prices at the PGA Championship this week. For the benefit of our radio listeners, I'll spell it out. $18 for a Michelob beer. $19 for a Stella. $14 for a cheeseburger. $8 hot dog. $6 water. $7 Gatorade. Okay, it's a special event. But if you want to eat or drink at the PGA, you will pay through the nose. Last weekend, I was in Florida. Family vacation. What a shock. We ate in some quality restaurants. Okay, high-end stuff, got it. The price of entrees, main courses, had gravitated to the $60 range from 40 bucks a year ago. Cocktails, $20 a piece. Yeah, I'm pulling back. Went up to my farm, filled up the Ford F-150, $100. First time I've ever paid that for any vehicle I've ever owned. Now look, I'm not looking at this as an economist or as an investor. I'm looking at this as a consumer. And I have to believe that most people feel that same sticker price shock. You can see it on people's faces in the grocery store. There's anger, there's despair. Our standard of living is falling. Are you better off now than you were when Trump was president? Uh, no, I'm not. And I don't think any honest American can say that they are better off now, economically, when Trump was president. 
There's just no way. And, and, and it's getting worse. Let me do this. There is big news out. CBS broke it first about Hunter Biden and James Biden. James Biden is President Biden's younger brother. They've been in cahoots over business deals the whole family has for decades. And Hunter's kind of like the go-do-it guy. James is kind of like setting up the information and the deals guy. And Joe Biden is known as the big guy. But CBS News broke some very important information about the Hunter, the Joe, and the James Biden, and the Biden family syndicate. And we want to turn now to a CBS News investigation by Catherine Herridge, who spoke with a top Republican senator who for years has been investigating the business dealings of the president's brother and son. CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This is the way it is. After a nearly three-year investigation, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News he believes the president's younger brother, James, was instrumental in Hunter Biden's Chinese business ventures. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. James Biden has worked as an entrepreneur and recently in the healthcare industry. We will focus on James Biden, the president's brother. This week, this Grassley released bank records three. indicating James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese financed consulting firm. These records come directly from the banks, no third party. You're absolutely right. In our interview, Grassley did not allege the Bidens broke the law, but he said it's concerning that both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their China work totaling $165,000 a month in 2017 after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. We have people with the Biden name dealing with Chinese business people that have a relationship through the Communist Party. I think it's very concerning. This 2019 subpoena, verified by CBS News, shows federal investigators also sought Hunter and James Biden's business records from a major U.S. bank dating back to 2014 as part of a separate probe by the U.S. attorney in Delaware into possible violations of tax and foreign lobbying laws. I think Hunter and James Biden should not have entered into those relationships. In the best case, those things look really bad. In the worst case, the conflicts can be quite serious. The White House Chief of Staff said this week that the president is confident his family did the right thing, adding these actions by Hunter and James are private matters and don't involve the president. CBS News began outreach to James and Hunter's legal teams last week and received no response. Nora. Catherine Herridge, thank you. One thing is pretty much always true. When, when, when it cracks and when it waddles, It's always a duck. When it quacks and it waddles, it's always a duck. (laughs) Hey, guys, thank you for being here today. You have a great day. And no matter what you see as a hurdle in your life, just know this. If you'll stay positive, find a way to stay positive. Just double, triple down on your relationship with God. Do a little praying. The best is yet to come. See you tomorrow with TNN Live. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stupid, get it started, get it started.
control our body and soul Don't move too fast, people just take it slow Don't get ahead, just jump into it Y'all hear about it, the P's will do it Get started, get stupid Don't worry about it, people will walk you through it Step by step like an infant new kid Inch by inch with a new solution Transmit hits with no delusion The feeling's irresistible and that's how we move it Everybody, everybody, let's get into it Get stupid, get started, get started